Let's bow our heads now and pray. Father, we, we thank you so much, Lord, for gathering us here this morning. And, and we're drawn to you, Father, and that's why we're here. Maybe we're curious about you, but ultimately, Father, we want to be here to, to worship you and to learn about you. And Lord, as, as our young ones leave the, here this morning, Lord, into their own little groups, I pray, Father, for little children. I pray, God, that you set their hearts on fire for you, that they learn about you, and that what you do in them now lasts as they go into adolescence and into adulthood. I pray, Father, for the youth, that their hearts are served as well, and that they go on from here, learning about you, but wanting to know you deeper and deeper. And I pray, Lord God, for those who are in here listening to your word, that they too are stirring their hearts and that they leave here wanting to be closer to you, Father, and leave here confident in who you are and what you do in people's lives, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit teaches all of us and that we don't forget what you have done for us, Lord. We thank you for your grace and for all that you do for us. In your precious son's name, I pray. Would you guys agree that challenging people's ideas and just challenging people in general can be quite difficult? It's not it's not easy to do. Especially when your set what you believe and you know it's it's almost like even though evidence is just right in front of you you're still like no I don't I don't want to believe that I, I find that difficult even just having simple conversations with uh, colleagues or whoever the case may be even when someone learns that I'm a Christian and they say well you're religious and I and sometimes I'm like yeah but when I get to have a little bit more of a personal conversation with them, they say that to me and I say, what if I said to you, I'm not religious? What if I said to you, it's not about religion, but it's about connecting to God? And they go to me, well, that, that was something they've never heard before. And they say, what do you mean? And, I, and then I would even talk, I would talk about sin and grace. And that I live the way I do because I love God because of what he did for me. And even just challenging people in a loving way, something that they had never thought of before, can be difficult, but yet can have a profound impact because they come back and they keep asking more questions. Now, Jesus did the same thing. Challenged those around him. Have any of you guys heard of a guy called Dr. Sean George? No? This guy is a... A medical doctor uh, from Perth and he's got a fascinating story um, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube I listen to his story through a regular podcast that I listen to and pretty much and this guy is if I remember correctly an expert in resuscitation he teaches other doctors about this field and he talks about his story where he, he died he had a cardiac arrest and he died now, the fascinating thing about his story is he was dead for a long time, way beyond the point of resuscitation 
and way beyond the point of even coming back with no brain damage at all. And then his wife, who was also a believer, ended up coming to his dead body and prayed, and he came back to life. Now that sounds so strange, and we almost become a bit sceptical about it. Now him being a medical doctor, he examines all the facts himself, and he can't come to any other conclusion that this was a miracle. And he, as he gave his story on the podcast that I listened to, after his story, he was challenged by a Christian philosopher and an atheist philosopher. And, and even they would bring up arguments, you know, what about the Lazarus effect? Which is interesting because we'll be talking about Lazarus. Because, you know, there are people who have died for a little period of time and have come back to life. But his story was different to all of that. Now, challenging beliefs is difficult because this guy's story challenged not only his peers in the medical field, but all those who listened to him. And even though all the evidence pointed to this being a miracle, still choose not to believe. So, we can see in the Bible that even Jesus had this issue. And it's not just a challenge for our time. Now, I'm going to read to you first two verses that are a part of a larger story, and then I'm going to read the larger story. So, the last few sermons, we've looked at John chapter 9, John chapter 10, and we're going to look at John chapter 11. Um, so, I'm just going to read to you John chapter 25, and ver- uh, sorry, John chapter 11, verse 25, and verse 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Alright, let's go now to the beginning of the story in chapter 11 in John. It is 44 verses, bear with me. But if you would like to follow on in your own translations, feel free to do so. Alright, and it starts like this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daytime will not stumble, for they... For they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. 
So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I'm not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them, for in them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been there with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had, come al- who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he, he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of a dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What an extraordinary story. In hearing this, it's natural to ask the really simple questions. Did this really happen? Can we, can we really believe that something like this happened? And I can understand, on some level, how big a claim it is here that Jesus raised someone from the I can also see how a naturalist or someone who's an atheist doesn't believe in anything supernatural 
without this. And it's okay to wrestle with scripture. I, for one, believe in the accuracy of the Gospels and how they came to be and what the storytellers are telling. So in relation to John chapter 11, verses 1 to 44, the question to ask is, if this is in fact true, then what does that mean for us individually, a church, and a human race? I do not believe that true believers in Christ, that is those living a life of a witness to Christ, have their faith based on fairy tales. Because even the eyewitnesses to these miracles and to this miracle struggled with it. God not only can intervene in this world and in our lives, but He does. So the raising of Lazarus is only found in the Gospel of John. In the other Gospels, we have Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And it's clearly important to these Gospel writers to document Jesus raising some from the dead. Because it shows what it looks like to follow Jesus. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But prior to the miracle of Lazarus coming out of the tomb, we have the scene set for us. So we see in verses 1 to 16, there was a man named Lazarus who was sick and he was a brother of Mary and Martha. And this is someone that Jesus knew. Now, it is apparent that they believe that Jesus can heal him. Because in verse 3, they send a messenger to him to tell him that he's sick. Not just to inform him, but with the expectation that he would arrive and heal their brother. And when Jesus learns of Lazarus' sickness, he says his sickness will not end in death but will serve to glorify God. Now Jesus turns away the focus from the illness, per se, to the occasion to reveal who he is in connection to God. The identity of God will become visible in Jesus. But instead of rushing to those who he was close with, not just acquaintances, those he was close with, he waits another two days. He's waiting for Lazarus to die. Could you imagine what Mary, Martha, even Lazarus are thinking? They they know what he can do. We're close with him. And he doesn't come. They knew he could heal Lazarus. Speaks a lot about our expectations of God. We, We expect him to do everything in our timing. And yet we never take, or at least we forget sometimes to take into consideration God's timing. Now in verse 7, Jesus decides to return to Judea and is met with disapproval from his disciples. They tell him, they just tried to kill you in this area. Why would you go back? And Jesus tells them that while they walk with him, they walk in the light. And if they walk without him, they walk in the darkness. So no matter where you might think, no matter where you might walk with Jesus, 
You're walking in the light despite being surrounded either by darkness or the light not shining ahead to where you can already see it. Now Jesus knows his purpose here and what he's doing back then and even now. Even though we may not approve of what Jesus wishes for to occur, we need to trust that walking in him is walking in the light and the light extinguishes the darkness. So in verse 11 to 16, Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus is dead. And they get a bit confused, but he clarifies it for them because clearly they're confused. And he says, no, he is dead. He is dead. But they were going to witness something that would confirm who Jesus really was. And it seems like his disciples didn't quite get this yet. So we see that Jesus arrives at um, near, near the village of Mary and Martha. He's on the outskirts. Now in verse 17, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. He was clearly dead. John is clearly trying to show us here that this man is dead, beyond, beyond dispute. Now to show... Jesus' intention of completely challenging the Jews' belief and confirmation about himself, as he did in verse 25 and 26. According to popular Jewish belief of his time there, the soul hovered around the body of the grave for three days uh, after death, hoping to re-enter the body. But after the third day, when the soul sees the colour of the face, the soul leaves the body for good. All who were witnessing this upcoming miracle, predominantly Jews, they had no evidence to point to anything other than Lazarus was dead. There are fellow mourners who are with the sisters, but Martha went out to meet Jesus. She learned that he's there, and she believes Jesus could have made a difference. If only you were here, this would not have happened. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And she still doesn't get it because all she's thinking is, yes, yes, in the resurrection. But he says, no. I am the resurrection and the life. And all those who believe in me will live. When Jesus announces that he is the resurrection and the life, he's talking about his sovereignty over the present and the future of those who believe in him. Now the belief or the word used there is pisteo, which is, which is not, not just simply acknowledging, oh yeah, this happened, but it's actively believing that this occurred. And that is shown through the witness of how we live. For Jesus to be the resurrection means that physical death has no power over the believer. Their future is determined by faith in him alone. Do you believe this? Now Mary says yes. And she runs off and she gets her sister. Sorry, it's Martha, sorry. Martha runs off and gets her sister. And then Mary, who was back at home with the mourners, 
heard that Jesus wanted to see her, and she runs off, leaves everything behind. And then she too questions Jesus. If you were here, this would not have happened. Now there's an interesting portion of scripture here that talks about Jesus' emotions. You know, it's quite, given the word weep, it's quite uh, natural for us to assume that he's talking about him crying or even mourning himself about Lazarus' death. But there's so much more going on than that. The actual Greek talks about it more as anger than actual sorrow. You know, in Martin Luther's translation in the German, it quite literally says anger. The Greek says deeply troubled. And the King James actually says groaned. Now this is interesting. Why, why would Jesus be angry? Well, look at the lack of faith that was around him. The closest ones to him. Jesus' tears in verse 35... It makes some sense to be deeply tears, moved tears by frustration and anger. Because despite everything that they know about him still, they still don't believe who he truly is. Now let's look at what's been happening so far. Jesus becomes aware one of his friends is sick and has proved to be fatal. He knew he would die. And now Jesus was not only close with his family, but he let him die. We also see that Jesus' disciples also witnessed this event and even challenged Jesus before he even gets there. It's not uncommon for us either. If we're really honest, there have been plenty of times in my life at least where I've struggled to trust God. And I'm questioning, why is this happening? Or why aren't you doing this? So I can somewhat understand where these people are coming from. But Jesus is seeking to challenge this. Because we do have reason to be confident. And this is what he wants from us. Now Jesus gives those who witness what happens next no reason to doubt him. So much so that we still recall this event now. What did Jesus say in verse 25 and 26? You guys remember? <laughs> say it again, I heard something very faintly. Oh, man. Haven't you been listening? I am the resurrection and the life. Although you may die, although you may die, you will live again. All those who believe in me will not die. This is the lead up into what's going to happen next. Now verse 38 and 39, Jesus asks for the stone that's laid against Lazarus' tomb to be moved. Martha challenges him again. She just recently said, yes, I believe you are the resurrection and the life. And she challenges him once more. 
You even see, you know, she's referring to, you know, the stench of his body. Because back then, they didn't have balm bodies, they, they were perfumed. Um, and surely by this time, this would have stunk. But ultimately, what she's saying is, what are you doing? He's dead. Leave him. And Jesus once again corrects her. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And Jesus prays. He says for the first time in John, and, and he addresses God as Father. And he does this publicly, showing those around him who he is in relation to God. And he also demonstrates that God has given him the authority to do what he's about to do. He has the power over life and death. Now in verses 43 and 44, when he had said this, after his prayer, Lazarus came out. The dead man came out. His hands were, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. These days, especially in the West, we truly struggle with anything supernatural. At least to the extent that the Bible claims about miracles. Can we really believe that something like this happened when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? The question to ask is, can God through Jesus have the power of the course of life and death? If he does, what does that mean for all of us? We are dealt with a challenge here. One that we are challenged to the very core of what can happen, but also challenges our faith. The miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead shows the truth of who Jesus is to us. And that is found in verse 25 and 26. Can someone read it for me, please? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Thanks, man. We are given the truth of who Jesus is. And we cross that threshold through faith. And this is not easy. But we see here that Jesus has the full share of God's power for resurrection. We see that God, when Jesus says, do you believe this? It's not simply just to pump himself up and look who, look who I am. But it is an invitation to believe this. It's an invitation to be a part of of the resurrection and the life. This is only accomplished through him. Jesus defeats death here, as he does in other Gospels with Jairus' daughter. Those who follow him are not met with death ultimately. Although we may physically die, 
we raise with him, but all those who believe in him. This is the central focus of John's Gospel. And those who believe in him receive true life. We see that in John chapter 3.16. We see that when he feeds the multitude of people and I am a living bread and water. So faith is not just a set of statements that I make about what I think happened or what I believe, but it's me actively acknowledging who Jesus is. And I will live, and all of us will live in communion with Jesus because of who he claims to be now and in the future. So the question for all of us to ask, do I believe this? I'm going to leave you with that. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we we thank you, Lord, that we thank you, Jesus, that you do have the power over death and life. And what we may think is true life is nothing in comparison to the life that you give us. I pray, Father, that each one of us here who have heard your word are challenged by it, question who we are before you, and that we leave here believing in who the true Jesus is, the life and the resurrection for those who believe in him. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Father. We thank you for your grace and the life that you've us. In your precious son's name I pray. Amen.